This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio for me is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, we don't know how the Chiefs played because we're doing this early so Mm -hmm. that we can see the Chiefs play. Mm -hmm. Future us know. Us, when we're listening back to this on the podcast or watching it know, but current us do not know. I find it's all very confusing, and this is why Tom Keegan never wanted us to let on that we don't do this live, like we could be this good live. <laughs> no way. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, on Twitter at the drive 13, and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Scott, the Jayhawks lost their third straight game on Saturday with a seven-point setback to Oklahoma. Is it time for Bill Self's group to press the panic button? Well, Fitz, I don't know if it's time for the panic button, but I will say it's time for the adjustments button or tinkering or something. And I think Bill Self kind of alluded to that simply because when you have these kinds of stretches, which, by the way, have happened at Kansas before. Three losses in a row is rare. The last time it happened was the Ben McLemore team. But the Jayhawks have lost three and five like they did a couple years ago. They've lost back-to-back games. They've had uh, kind of a down stretch in Big 12 play where they've had to figure it out because of defensive mistakes, because of personnel, because of attitudes not clicking or whatever. This is not unfamiliar. You know, think back to the 2015-16 Kansas season. That was a team that got a number one seed. That was a team that got to the Elite Eight and was in a down-to-the-wire game against Villanova, the eventual national champion, to go to the Final Four. Uh, And that Jayhawk team went through a stretch where it lost three out of five. It didn't know who was going to start at the five. The team had to come together to figure it out. Uh, I think of the 2017-2018 team led by Devontae Graham again went to the Final Four. That team lost back-to-back games in non-conference play. That team was up and down. It lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, There was a team meeting that followed that, and, and eventually... You know, the guys came together. They started playing more for each other. Malik Newman turned it on. Uh, That team turned it on. Obviously, the 2008 National Championship team, that team lost two out of three. So this is not unfamiliar to get into January, to have a stretch where things aren't going well and the sky is falling. Kansas did just play three games on, on the road to three NCAA tournament quality teams. So it's not like these have been gimmies that they're dropping. 
That being said, a, ch a change does need to be made because the Jayhawks have issues. So uh, obviously doing the same thing isn't going to keep working. Bill Self has hinted at mixing up the lineup a little bit. I think the two most likely candidates to come out of the starting five, uh, even though they'll still play a lot, would be Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson. Both of these guys have played so well for Kansas this year, Fitz. Uh, but defensive mistakes in the last game from Brown and Wilson both really piled up. Uh, and for Wilson, he's in a slump. He had seven turnovers the first game against Oklahoma, three turnovers with a bunch of uh, defensive mistakes in this last game, sandwiched in between those two games, two two-for-seven shooting performances. Jalen Wilson's in a slump. Christian Brown has been up and down. I think the Jayhawks are going to make a change and do something to mix up that energy. But again, this is not unfamiliar territory for Kansas. They've been there before. This is why Bill Self makes a lot of money. It's his job to figure this stuff out. That's why we make a lot of money. We're figuring it out, too. Hey, you know, it strikes me that this is another season when Bill Self doesn't have that true rim protector. Mm -hmm. And I have long thought that his defense doesn't quite work the same. You can't take the same chances on the perimeter that you do when you got that big guy in the middle that will just throw you back out. Yeah. And, and I see Kansas kind of struggling with some of their typical defensive rotations because you don't have that big guy. A hundred percent fits. They've gone zone multiple times this year, including mm. in the last game. I think they're just trying to find something to maybe account for the fact that you don't have that shot blocking center in the middle. Very good. Well, Kansas State scored 17 points, committed 18 turnovers in the first half of Saturday's 69-47 to loss to West Virginia. Fitz, just how bad were the Wildcats in this game? Uh, <clears throat> Well, the first half of this basketball game was the worst version of Kansas State basketball I've seen since covering K-State in the mid-80s. So I've been doing this 35 years on and off, mostly on. I've never seen anything like what I witnessed in the first half. And, and that's really my concern here is that uh, this wasn't Press Virginia, as Bruce Weber pointed out after the game. This isn't the West Virginia team that comes out and just makes good teams look silly by turning it over and fouling you a thousand times. Kansas State just turned it over at will 28 times in the game. 28 turnovers. And, and most of them were just lackadaisical or not being tough with the ball. If a trap came, you might as well just hand them the ball. It's the first time this season that, and this includes the Fort Hayes State loss, that I've seen this young team kind of look like they're not invested in the game. They were invested against Fort Hayes. It just stunk. And they've been bad other times. They've lost by 30 to Baylor. They lost big time on the road at Oklahoma. But now they seem to be kind of wearing out from what we're seeing. And, and I've got to tell you, Scott, West Virginia is a good team, but they were not 24 points better than K-State, or they shouldn't have been. And in fact, the game should have been 30 plus. That's how bad K-State was for most of the game. K-State's got to find a way to collect itself, but there's no real answers here. They should be getting Nigel Pack back for the next game. Uh, that should help. He's Right now, he's the only player missing that can play this season because Montavious Murphy now is gone for the year. They've got 11 scholarship guys, excuse me, 10 scholarship guys back. They will have number 11 with Pack. Um, uh, and I don't think he'll make a difference because uh, K-State has to go to Baylor next. That's right. That's, that's their relief from this, these horrible losses. Go play at Baylor. Uh, Scott Drew, if you have a JV team, if you have a bunch of guys, this is a good game to put them in and maybe only beat the Cats by 15. Yeah, I, I turned this one on. I actually watched a good part of this. It was after the, the KU game. And I would agree just from the perspective of I've watched Kansas State at times this year and thought, 
you know, there's there's something building here. Right. They're, they're playing together. It, it, you can see where maybe in a couple of years it would kind of figure itself out. This was not a good game to watch if you're excited about the future. No, it was not a good game in any way. In fact, the announcers, who usually annoy me when the remote announcers start talking about everything but mm-hmm. the game, really prepped everyone well for the uh, Uf, UFC fight. That's what they talked about most of the time. And it was okay. I, I don't blame them. Scott, let's go big picture on college hoops. You've seen Kansas play number two Baylor and number one Gonzaga this season. Is it possible that Baylor could be the best team in college basketball? Well, Fitz, you've obviously seen Baylor too, and I, I think we agree this Baylor team is uh, insane. It, it's special. It, it has talent. It has veterans. It has uh, athleticism. It has just about anything you could want. And yeah, Baylor, by the way, handled Kansas earlier this week in a game that was reminiscent of what Kansas does to other teams, right? Baylor jumped out to a big lead. Kansas kind of battled back, cut it to five a couple times. And, you know, every time Baylor just sort of responded with a really impressive counterpunch in that game. You know, what uh, about Baylor, what I kind of feel about them is is maybe they do have the advantage over Gonzaga in that more has to go wrong uh, for them to lose. Gonzaga is a very good team. Maybe Gonzaga on its average day is better than a team like Baylor. Uh, but flat out, if Baylor plays a, a B-plus, A-minus game, Baylor is not beatable because of Baylor's three-point shooting, because of what Baylor does uh, defensively, because of the athletes they have on the perimeter, because of the skill they have. Jared Butler is having an absolutely phenomenal year. He absolutely lit up the KU defense. He didn't have to do a lot of it against Marcus Garrett because the Jayhawks switched so much. Um, But that's a hard guy to contain. They've got Teague. They've got Mark Vital. They've got uh, Mitchell. They've got so many different guys that uh, either defensively, offensively, have just seemed to buy into their role. Mark Vital is not even having a good year for them. And against Kansas, he was one of the most impactful players in the game. That's a dude that every coach in America would want to have on their team because of how athletic he is, how strong he is, and how versatile defensively he is. Because Gonzaga is a very good team. I don't take anything away from the Zags, who obviously handled KU2. But this Baylor team seems special to me. If I were picking a Final Four right now, if I were picking a national championship game, probably have Baylor in both. Yeah, I, I would agree. A quick question here, Baylor going through this Big 12 schedule and a very tough season in this conference, does that help or hurt the Bears compared to what Gonzaga is doing in its conference? I have to think it helps. I mean, even this Oklahoma State game they just played, they were losing by one, two or three, getting tested a little bit, and then they just get to flip the switch and blow them out of the water. I think that only prepares you, especially how many different styles you play in the Big 12. And one other thing I thought was funny, going into, I think it was the Kansas game, I heard the announcers before the game say, well, Baylor hasn't played any close games this year. That could hurt them if they get into a game with Kansas. I couldn't help but think people say that about the Chiefs too. So if you play too many close games, it's not good. If you blow too many teams out, it's not like, what's the magic number of of points you have to win by every time for it to be impressive? Yeah, Baylor's really good. These two coaches have said they, uh, Baylor and Gonzaga were supposed to play earlier mm-hmm. in the year. They, they both said they still want to find a way to play that game. You know what? I don't want them to play. <laughs> I want to save that for the national title game yeah. if that's how it plays out. Yeah. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, how many Big 12 basketball teams will make the Elite Eight this year? And we go to the results. I, th- I think the viewers got it right, Fitz. Two 
Big 12 basketball teams in the Elite Eight. That was the, the winning choice, 42%. 33% of people said one team will make it. 17% said three plus. I'm guessing those are your Kansas fans wanting to slip Kansas in there too. And then uh, zero Big 12 teams in the Elite Eight. That's 8%. It's going to be very fun to watch. This week's question is this. Will KU basketball earn a top three seed in the 2021 NCAA tournament? Pretty simple answers. A yes, B no. Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Scott, you spoke about some potential lineup changes in the first segment. Let's talk about someone who isn't going anywhere. What do you think about the play of Marcus Garrett this year? Yeah, I, I know fans at times have been a little frustrated with him, but this guy's one of Bill Self's favorite players. If Bill Self makes a change in the starting lineup, he would be the fifth out of five guys I would expect to change. Bill Self said last year that Marcus Garrett could be Batman, could take over the show after a game at Oklahoma. Bill Self has said that Marcus Garrett is as fun a player as he's had to coach. He's the best defensive player he's ever coached. But let's not forget, Marcus Garrett has also been a very productive and a, a very good player for Kansas. Last year, this was a guy who led the Big 12 in assists, led the Big 12 in assists to turnover ratio, and led the Big 12 in defense, if you want to put it that way. He was the National Defensive Player of the Year. So if you've got a guy who's the best facilitator in the conference, he values possessions better than anyone in the conference, and he's the best on one end of the court in the conference, that's a very good player. And Marcus Garrett hasn't forgotten about all the things that make him great. He is still the same Marcus Garrett, but like Bill Self said, it's a little bit different when you are Batman. That's the kind of term he likes to, to give to his backcourts because there's usually a Batman, there's usually a Robin, there's a Frank Mason, there's a Devontae Graham, there's that second ball handler and quite frankly Bill Self has said the Jayhawks don't have that this year. Marcus Garrett has been Batman but without that kind of Robin so there's been more of an emphasis on his shooting on his passing. His mistakes are amplified he's playing more minutes, he's taking on this larger role and then at the end of games he gets a little bit worn down and you see that fatigue result in turnovers. Yeah, Fitz, we talked about lineup changes at the beginning of the show. If the Jayhawks make one, I would expect Dewan Harris to be the guy to move into the starting five, and I think it would just be to make life easier for Marcus Garrett. I think Bill Self wants to be able to move Marcus Garrett off the ball when needed and on the ball when needed. Marcus Garrett is capable as a point guard. I know some people think that may not be the case because the KU offense doesn't look as good. Well, you know what? You don't have Doke in the middle, and that's going to make everything look a little bit worse. This team is figuring it out with some young wings who are still playing pretty inconsistently with Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson. Brown kind of game to game. Wilson started strong, and he's kind of tapered off. Marcus Garrett's having a good year. 
not a great year, and he can. I, I think there is the potential for him to play a lot better. I think having another point guard on the court helps him. Now, if David McCormick's on the court too, there's a little bit of a spacing issue there. But Fitz, uh, I think the Jayhawks want to get Marcus Garrett help because I think they believe in him. Yeah, I, I don't know about Batman, but he sure is the utility belt Batman wears. <laughs> he can do so many things to get you out of a jam. It's he's really a fun player to watch. Well put. Well, Kansas State is now. 5-11 overall and 1-7 and in the Big 12 after losing seven straight conference games. Is there anything that can be done to save this season? No. Next topic. Uh, you know, there's nothing that can actually save the season, but maybe rescue a little face. I mean, they just have to find a way to win. And, and the bad thing is, is they opened the Big 12 with the game against Iowa State. They won in Ames. The game in Manhattan, unfortunately, was postponed or you know, because of COVID issues with K-State at the time, COVID and injuries, mostly injuries actually. Uh, and uh, it doesn't appear that that game's gonna be rescheduled, which is really unfortunate for both programs because Iowa State and K-State are awful. Uh, and that's actually makes for a good matchup between the two. And I'm sure Iowa State would like to play K-State. It might be their only chance for a win just as beating Iowa State stood that way for K-State. These young guys have to start playing better. They have to start understanding that you, you must value possessions, that the ball is something you hang on to and you don't get sloppy with it. They have to understand that if you're wide open from three-point range early in the shot clock, but you shoot 15% from three, you don't take that shot. You've got to understand what you can and can't do, what you should and what you shouldn't do. And right now, these guys have no clue on all of that. And honestly, they should. They absolutely should understand these things. So what can save this season is signs of understanding from this team, either that they will listen to their coaches or that their coaches will get the right message drilled into their head, that they have a bright future, but not if you continue to build everything off of bad habits. Dejuan Gordon, love you kid. Quit shooting three-pointers until you prove you can hit them all the time. Antonio Gordon, please don't ever do that again unless it's one second left on the shot clock. Understand who you are and what you do. It's basic to any type of workplace, not just sports. You, everyone works together as a team and you build off each other's strengths and you cover up each other's weaknesses. Some of you guys are trying to do things like dribble the ball between your legs in traffic or go behind the back. You're not good enough, and you have to understand that. And just coming to that understanding, Scott, and playing more sound fundamental basketball will be a sign of something, but it won't save the season. When everyone plays to their role, the, the sum of the parts is also often greater than the individual pieces. Yep. I think that's a lesson we all can take. I absolutely agree. And now we... Step Out of Bounds and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, it was not only announced that the entire NCAA tournament will take place in the Indianapolis area, but in another twist, even the days of the week the games are being played are shifting. Fitz, what do you think of these changes? Games now moving from Thursday, Friday to Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, Monday for the the second round. Uh, First, I I love that everything's in Indianapolis. They could have done it in Kansas City. There's other places where it couldn't be done this way. They won't do this again unless they absolutely, absolutely have to. But I think they might stop and look at having the regional sites, all 16 teams go there, um, which makes a lot more sense, streamlines things, less travel, less stress, um, and uh, it really makes it probably easier for the NCAA to manage if you have 
two essentially first and second round sites in Dallas and then the regionals in Dallas. The, the days of the week is a little baffling, don't you agree? I mean, uh, the first four, which is in the, the Indianapolis this year, will take place on a Thursday, which is normally the first day of games. And the first round is Friday, Saturday, followed by Sunday, Monday games. Then the next round, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, is Saturday, Sunday, yeah. followed by Monday, Tuesday. They push it back an extra day. It, it, it's really interesting. I, I think maybe they are trying to help teams recover and have some more room for COVID. Uh, but I'll say this, by putting all your eggs in the Indianapolis basket, if there's a COVID outbreak, oh boy, the whole <laughs> tournament could be a mess. But I, I'm excited to see it. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel this is how I think. I feel for the guys who booked their Vegas trips for the typical Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, first and second round a long time ago, and will be flying home in the middle of some really good basketball. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry that happened to you. It's horrible. Well, now let's that that sounded like it was coming from experience there. I wish uh, it was. Now, now let's hear from the fans and our main question this week is Fitz, why wasn't that West Virginia player ejected for tripping? I first I thought that said targeting was back in football mode and that's from Nick in Manhattan. Yeah, it was really strange. I don't know why it wasn't I, I just saw the one glimpse of it because Again, remote announcers, they missed it happening because the camera wasn't on them. But uh, it, they, when they went back and showed it, it was bizarre. Um, I'm surprised Huggins didn't keep him on the bench, but so be it. I, it's just kind of the way it is for K-State, I guess. The spirit of Grayson Allen lives on. Remember to <laughs> ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. As we head down the home stretch of this week's show, now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive Thirteen. Here are last week's results. We're short on time, so look, should we even show these, Scott? Should we put them up? <laughs> I um, guess we'll just get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the Chiefs-Bills game isn't on here. I had the Chiefs with the spread, and Scott and the viewers have the Bills. So you know what's going on here. Fifty-two percent of you think the Bills will lose by less than. Eight points. Interesting. Here's this week's pick. So we start with Kansas plus five and a half at Tennessee. Scott. I'll go with Tennessee. I think Kansas wins a close game at Tennessee. I will volunteer to pick the Jayhawks. (laughs) Next is Texas A&M minus five and a half at Kansas State. Fitz, I get the sense we're going the same way on this one. I got to pick A&M for, I'm picking against K-State the rest of the year. I'm sorry. I'm I'm right there with you. Find the the number, I'll pick K-State, and I'll still (laughs) pick the other team. Our last game of the week is Auburn plus 15 and a half at Baylor. We struggled to find a spread that would split our votes, and I took Baylor winning by 16 or more. Yeah, I think, Fitz, you might be on the correct side of this one. 15 and a half is too many points. I'll take Auburn, but... Baylor is really good. They might win by 20. Scott, based on the history of the picks, there's a little chance I'm on the right side of this one. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page, at the Drive 13 Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. And we start with Scott chasing a fog.net. 
Yeah, well, Fitz, we talked a lot about lineup changes, what could be coming for Kansas today. It would be funny if there ended up not being one after all the talk about it after the game. But uh, the other option and someone we haven't spoken about yet is David McCormick. David McCormick had a really, really good three-game stretch, and then defenses adjusted, stopped guarding him one-on-one and said, hey, we're going to trap this guy and see if he can make a play. And more often than not, he hasn't been able to. So uh, if a change does come and it's not on the wing, it will be with David McCormick. Mitch Lightfoot could come in for him. The Jayhawks could start playing five guards. He's had some good games. He's had some rough games. It's been an up-and-down season for David McCormick. Uh, as someone who's covered K-State a long time, sometimes shuffling the deck means you still have the same cards. Hey, uh, we received a really nice letter from a viewer this week. Uh, Frank, thank you very much for your letter. Scott and I appreciate it. And the reason I bring this up is these times are difficult, and they've been stressful for a lot of people. Take the time to say something nice. We're all grumpy. I get it. Give a smile, say something positive. It'll it'll help a lot of people. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.